Welcome back to another edition of AFK Discussions. I am Jason, and with me, as always, is my buddy, Ty. Hey, guys. What's going on? Long time no talk. Long time no talk. Yeah, man. We got a really good show tonight. Uh, but first, I'd like to say, everyone out there, please, if you could go and give us a review, a five-star review on any of the podcasters you listen on. And also, please subscribe, because that really helps us out a lot. Um, so tonight, we got an awesome show with East Tennessee Bigfoot. And um, we got Matt, we got Wendy, and we got Lori. And to start kicking off, I'm going to introduce this is Matt Sieber. How's it going, Matt? Hey, going great, guys. How you doing? Pretty good, dude. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay, uh, Matt Sieber from East Tennessee Big, Bigfoot. I started in 2005 doing this stuff after my son had an encounter in our backyard in Roan County in East Tennessee. Um, been doing it ever since. Off and on, uh, heavy and not so much. Uh, got a lot of information from a lot of different people. Met a lot of wonderful people. Uh, got a lot of good friends. And we just do this as we can because it's it's hit and miss uh, in East Tennessee. A lot of folks around the southeast don't like to talk about this stuff. Yeah, yeah. They're, um, I know that they, you know, a lot of the old, old school people call them uh, woolly boogers and boogers and all kinds right. of stuff. So, yeah. Um, okay. Hey, Wendy, uh, how's it going? Uh, just, could you introduce yourself real quick? Sure. My name is Wendy Arms. Um, I'm a member of East Tennessee Bigfoot. Um, been a member for, I guess, a little over a year now, I think, uh, maybe two, I don't know. Um, I was kind of skeptical to begin with, with Bigfoot, but I had my first encounter, um, in Morgan County in 2019, I think it was, um, and then from that point on, I've, you know, just uh, had encounters without seeking it out. You know, it's just been one thing after another. And um, I have other, you know, things like gifts and stuff. So I'm thinking that maybe that has something to do with the reason why I have so much. But, uh, yeah, that's me. I'm just me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and also, hey, Lori, uh, how's it going? And uh, if you could please introduce yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Lori Wade. I'm a member of East Tennessee Bigfoot, and I am also a BFRO investigator for Tennessee and have been since 2015, and I uh, lead expeditions. I'm pretty much always in the woods and um, have a little Etsy shop, so I'm always going to conferences doing um, selling Bigfoot items, so I'm around this stuff a lot. That's and awesome. I, I've actually had two encounters of actual sightings um and it just keeps you going yeah i'm sure it does um i haven't actually had an official sighting i have heard some strange things um but that's about it um that's how i actually uh, met you guys so um i met bat matt gosh i don't know when it was it was mid 2000s um finding bigfoot was actually in knoxville doing a show and um, Matt had a, a booth set up, and I went over and started talking. I was like, hey, man, I'm a graphic designer. You want some T-shirts made? <laughs> He's like, sure. So, you know, this, the, then the rest is history. Right. And it's still awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, so, Matt, um, I'm going to let you start everything off and just uh, kind of tell, like, your encounter and um, just a little bit about, you know, East Tennessee Bigfoot in general and um, – just, you know, maybe some of the stories you guys have uh, gotten over the uh, past few years or something. Okay. Um, well, uh, like I say, I started this in 2005. 
uh, when my son had an encounter in our backyard. He was 15 at the time, and um, he had a he had a pretty interesting uh, incident that took place. Uh, refused to tell me there for a little while, but once he finally told me about what happened to him, we started trying to get online and speak with people who maybe would validate what he had seen. I've always had an interest in this subject, so it wasn't like I was going in completely blind. I knew what the concept of Bigfoot was, but I had no idea they were running around in Roan County in East Tennessee. So um, we got online and we we found a few places and uh, put in a few reports. And I just kept getting the feeling that nobody either believed him or just thought we were a bunch of stupid redneck hicks. And that kindly got on my bad side a little bit. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I can do this. I can take reports from people around here where I live. And sure enough, it didn't take long at all. I started asking questions and, and talking to people. And it wasn't long at all before I started getting citing reports. And we've been doing it ever since. And I've, I've been trying to add people as, as I felt like I could bring people in that would actually bring something significant to the organization. I have a lot of people who want to be in this group, but I'm not so sure about everyone. I don't want to overwhelm what's going on. Um, I can't even remember how I met Lori, but she's one of my first members. Um, maybe she can remember, maybe she can touch on that, but I know I talked to her quite a bit. I believe it was in 2014 when uh, Finding Bigfoot first came to the Knoxville area. And yeah, then, I came uh, to that. Yeah. And then I, I met I know I've known Wendy practically all my life and all yeah. her life. Her brother is a really good friend of mine. Uh, she's a few years younger than me, but we grew up in the same community. Yeah. And I got back in touch with her via Facebook, and she was asking questions about Bigfoot and stuff. And we just started talking, and she's just had a really good interest. And of course, um, I know that Wendy has some gifts. Uh, she considers herself, and I believe she is a medium. And when it comes to being a medium, she's probably a triple extra large when it comes to that. So uh, I knew that there were some aspects of this subject that seemed to lean toward the paranormal. And I knew that someone like Wendy would be a benefit. Uh, there's a lot of talk about people who have uh, who have ESP and, and those types of gifts and also uh, something as interesting as people who have autism tend to be drawn to or these creatures are drawn to them. And I knew that would be a plus in our organization. So I asked her to come along board, too. And, of course, she was more than ready to. And her and her husband, they, they spend a lot of time in the woods, but I'll let her talk about that. But we just have um, we have the occasional sighting. A lot of the things that get told me and I, the reports I gather are old they're not worth investigating because some of them are 15, 20, even 30 years old. People just want to get the record straight and get it off their chest, and they just want to talk it out with somebody. And I really enjoy talking to these older folks who, who have these encounters, and when their, their voices shake and tears get in their eyes. I know these people have seen something that's just that's not supposed to exist, and it does exist. And, of course, I've I've been sent photographs of these things. I've sent, been sent photographs of, of tracks i found tracks myself of course i know Lori has found tracks i believe wendy's found a few tracks yep. too in her hikes and you know they're here these things are all over the country all over the world uh, i'm no longer trying to convince anyone that they exist 
Uh, but I'm, I'll be more than willing to talk to anybody if they want to try to figure these things out because that's all we're doing is trying to figure it out because there are no experts in this field. Yeah, I know a lot of people, they say, um, you know, I'm an investigator, but I mean, it's it's kind of hard to be an investigator when it's so sparse, right. you know, reports and stuff. And um, like like in Sasquatch Chronicles, Wes always says, you know, do you have one like you're studying in your garage? And, you know, <laughs> so I always find that funny. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, so go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, um, now is it, there's not been many reports uh, lately, or you haven't. It's all. I mean, mainly you said there were older reports. So, well, I've, I've I'm waiting. I, again, I have a friend who is uh, very interested in this subject. He's uh, he's actually a uh, a pest control technician who who works in my neighborhood. He came to my house and, you know, I didn't even ask him over, but he he somehow found out that I did this and uh, he started talking to me about it. And he actually uh, goes to church with a lady who saw one back last summer, not 10 miles from my house across the road. And she is supposed to give me a call or text me and allow me to talk to her on the phone or somehow. But this was, you know, this information was given me about two months ago. And she still hasn't contacted me. So that's the kind of that's the kind of thing I have to deal with when it comes to uh, these Bigfoot sightings and, and eyewitnesses around here. People don't like to talk. And we concentrate on East Tennessee only. And, of course, I've tried to get as many people involved as I can spread across the entire East Tennessee area. And that works out pretty good. If I get a report, let's say, from Johnson City, uh, I have some people up there close that can go and do an investigation if need be. But again, like I say, most of the sighting reports we get, uh, or I get anyway, are they're at least six months to a year old. People don't talk talk about them very much. And very rarely have we gotten something that happened quickly. Uh, but usually, and as been the case with most of the reports I've gotten, that let's say someone saw something last night and contacted me today, I have found evidence. So oh. uh, I've, I've actually found tracks on three different, three different occasions uh, when I was able to get to the, to the report area within 48 hours. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, I was wondering, um, just, just out of curiosity, speaking of East Tennessee, um, have you uh, had much interactions with uh, like Scott Carpenter? Because I know he's kind of a big name here. in. <laughs> I have, yeah. Yeah, I met Scott a few years back, and I actually occasionally I try not to bother him very much because again he's he's got a lot more going on than I ever will. But uh, I've sent him some pictures occasionally of things that people have sent me, and he gives me his uh, unbiased opinion on those things, and uh, I, I admire his opinion. I, I think he's legit. I don't think he's faking anything. I don't know exactly what he's catching. Uh, but he's he's getting things on those backward facing cameras. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I've seen some of his videos that kind of blew me away. Yeah, he did some, he did some on Dogman, and I was I was yeah. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that that's kind of freaky stuff you got there, man. Yeah, we don't go there. Uh, I don't yeah. play. I don't I don't go Dogman. I say you saw something with a snout and long ears. Okay, you need to talk to somebody else. <laughs> I don't go there. <laughs> yeah. Scott actually came on my October expedition. Um, oh, did he really? That's awesome. He did. He's came, I think that's the third one he's came to. Um, usually he only stays one night, but um, you're right, Matt. He's he's legit in his beliefs of what he's seen. 
That is awesome. Um, he's, I mean, from his videos, I mean, you kind of tell, I mean, he, he, he believes what he's doing. And, uh, I mean, you know, the proof in his videos, I mean, if, if he's faking it, it's, <laughs> you'd have to have a, you know, some big guy with him to do all that. Cause I mean, just some right. of the stuff he shows, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, I don't know. I think it's beyond being able to fake it. You know? Yeah. Some of the stuff he, he, he has, it's not what I would consider even Bigfoot. So yeah. that's that's really creepy. That's really creepy to me. I, I'm I'm not prepared to uh, try to even begin to wrap my head around some of the stuff that he believes he's got and some of the things that I've seen that just don't seem to add up as far as Bigfoot is concerned. And yeah. he also he has you know a lot of everybody has a different idea about who or what Bigfoot is, and he's pretty adamant of what they are in his mind. I'm not so sure myself who or what they are. Uh, I'm. I would dare say that everybody on this particular podcast tonight would have a different idea as to who or what they are. Uh, I don't know, but it's it's very intriguing, and it is definitely a rabbit hole that can get really deep. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely know that. Hey, um, I'm going to kind of switch over to uh, Lori now. Um, Lori, uh, what what got you into the subject of Bigfoot? I wish I could tell you. <laughs> Um, I I really do. In 2013, my daughter called me and she's like, Mom, there's this show called Finding Bigfoot. You're going to love it. You know, I kind of always believed in Bigfoot, but, you know, life goes on and you don't really do anything about it. And I swapped over to Animal Planet and saw Finding Bigfoot. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, people actually go out hunting for these things. And you're, you're kidding. So I called BFRO and I, I actually called them several times trying to let them let me go on an expedition. Um, and I finally got to go on one in Kentucky. And I told my mother, I'm like, Mom, I'm, you'll never believe what I'm going to do. I'm going to go on this Bigfoot expedition. And she said, well, I'm not surprised. I said, what do you mean you're not surprised? And she said, you don't remember you used to get down on your hands and knees and pray every night. Please, God, don't let the Bigfoots get me. And I looked at my mother and I'm like, what are you not telling me? What happened to me? And she's like, I have no idea. You just, that's what you did. Well, you know, I looked back up to the $6 million man age and it was prior to that that I was saying these prayers of, please, God, don't let the Bigfoots come and get me. And I lived in rural Alabama. So I don't know if, I don't know if I saw something and I, I don't know. So I can't explain it, but that's when it started. And since 2013, I've been pretty much boots on the ground. Everything I could do with Bigfoot. I've, I've done it much to the chagrin of my husband and my family who don't believe at all. Okay. <laughs> Well, and, and so I got a question, and forgive me, because I'm a little bit um, ignorant when it comes to the folklore surrounding Bigfoot or Sasquatch or the, the many names that it has. Is, is And I know, Matt, that you, you sort of touched on this a second ago, um, but if you guys could enlighten me and enlighten the listeners um, about, like, what – I know you said you, nobody really knows, but what is your take on Bigfoot? Is it a species? Is it – it, it, are there more than one? Um, are they big? Are they small? Are they hairy? Are they not? Um, I, I really would love to get, get um, especially since you guys have had encounters, I would really love to hear your take your, your take on it. Matt, I'll let you answer this, but I'm going to say this. Since I started and where I am now, 
I've had half a dozen different theories because as you get more information and you get more evidence and you talk to more people, your mind changes. And I think every good researcher has to have an open mind and listen to everything that's said, regardless of how fantastical it may sound. You have to listen to that because, you know, nobody knows truly what Bigfoot is. And unfortunately, unless there's a body, nobody will really ever know. And I hope there's never a, a body, but that's, that's my take on it. You may come full circle from what you start off believing to where you end up. It, that's my opinion. Okay. Yeah. I don't think anybody could have said it any better. Um, I'm just like her. When I first started diving deep into this, um, it was just an unknown primate. Um, but people telling me stories and I'm reading articles and I'm listening to people in podcasts and, and on YouTube videos and all these kinds of things and, and talking to credible people, people who are pillars of the community, dude. I mean, they're not, they're not drunk people. They're not drug addict people. They're, they're not people who are having mental breakdowns or anything like that. These are, these are law enforcement officers. These are, these are veterans. These are military people these are people who have high standing in the community and they're seeing things that shouldn't exist uh, people who see things disappear into thin air mm -hmm. uh, people who see these things do things and uh, are able to run so fast that nothing could catch them it's um it's incredible uh friends of mine who have had encounters and had incidents happen to them that are just completely unexplainable that opens that door that pandora's box so to speak of what is going on uh, we can speculate all day long I, i've tried to uh, figure it out in my head over and over well maybe they they're giving off some sort of pheromone that's causing people to to hallucinate or maybe uh, I, i've been looking into this infrasound that they're supposedly able to do that maybe it even is giving off some sort of infrasound that causes people to hallucinate and see things they shouldn't see. Because uh, according to some stories I've heard, uh, people who have these encounters with Bigfoot get sick. You know, they, you know, they actually they get sick and they, they have to lay around for a few days and, and they're urinating blood from their kidneys because something happened to them physically. Uh, you can't explain that kind of stuff outside of something like infrasound because infrasound is can do that to you. Uh, so people having uh, what they call a mind speak where they're out in the woods or, or they're walking along and they hear this voice come into their head saying stop or saying don't come any closer and the hair on their back of their neck stands up in their arms and, and they get this tingling feeling all over and all they want to do is run the other direction. Uh, of course, you know, that, that fight or flight syndrome that, that comes about like when a predator is present, I'm I can understand, but when a voice comes into your head and tells you to stop, you know, that kind of thing, um, it's, it's beyond natural. You know, we, we call it supernatural or we call it paranormal. And, and the technical term is just simply it's, it's out of the ordinary. Uh, I'm not saying that they're ghosts. I'm not saying that they're aliens, although that could be possible. Uh, again, you've got to leave everything on the table. If you, if you don't acknowledge every possibility, 
you're, you're never going to know anything. And you, you've closed yourself off into a box that you can't get out of. Absolutely. Yeah. So. I don't think well, that's out of the to. ordinary at all because I got a pregnant wife and I hear, don't come any closer. <laughs> <laughs> the hair stands up on the back of my neck and I go the other way. <laughs> you darn well better listen to her. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Matt said that really good because, you know, I have all those different experiences, you know, all the time where I have see things and I hear things. And, you know, with my gifts, you know, I hear uh, you know, things like that all the time. So, you know, I'm always like, you know, what what is that? I'm always trying to figure out where it's coming from or whatever. But with uh, Bigfoot, I think um, Lori was right because you kind of, it changes as you go because at first I thought, you know, that it was maybe uh, mythical. And then I thought that maybe it was uh, whenever I started following Matt's stuff, I started thinking, well, Maybe it's just a big, you know, ape or something that's, you know, kind of, I don't know, somebody, you know, made one together and kind of, you know, did an experiment and it came out bad and then they started, you know, multiplying. I don't have no idea. But then after I started hiking and my husband and I, we hike every weekend and the things that I've seen and since I had my sighting and stuff, I've totally changed about the way I see them because I see I've, my experience. I, I saw, you know, I've seen one of them. And then I think I may have had an experience this past few weeks ago. But, um, you know, with me having these gifts where I, I see spirits and things that I don't know if they're spiritual uh, I, I think they could be, you know, I don't know, because usually with spirits, you don't really see like they're, I mean, you can see like their indentions if they're like sitting somewhere or whatever. If they have that kind of presence, they can leave like an indention or something. But usually you don't see that kind of stuff. But with Bigfoot, uh, my husband and I have gotten prints and I've got video of them and pictures and everything. And I actually stepped down in it and it was physical. So, I mean, there had to be something really freaking heavy to make that deep of a print. And so, you know, that kind of had me that day whenever I stepped my foot down in that, I had a totally different experience. So it made me start thinking of it in a different way, you know. So I totally agree with both of them. But, and, you know, as far as Matt's talking about hearing things, you know, the, the day that I saw, you know, the one that I saw, it was like uh, we were, you know, it was like we were talking to each other. Like I knew what he was. I knew that it was a male. I knew that, you know, what he was. He was not, you know, afraid of me. I wasn't afraid of him either. I was just dumbfounded. But, you know, I mean, I can understand it can be a spiritual thing. Then again, it could be an alien. I don't know. It's just very unique to everything else that I have experienced. Yeah. So um, speaking of the spiritual realm, spiritual side of this. So do you think that it's possible that, you know, spirits, Bigfoot, whatever, there's, you know, another dimension that's just on the other side of oh, ours. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, yes. Yeah. When we see, when we see spirits, that's just like where the veil is kind of thinned and we can yes. see through, but these are actually, Bigfoots are actually, able to cross over that 
yes. and become physical. Like the reason that spirits are not physical all the time is because they're on the other side, but we can just kind of see glimpses. Exactly. But sometimes things can pass over and become more physical. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And also with Bigfoot, there's so many different, uh, they do, they, they do tree structures and me and my husband see those all the time. And, uh, they're all kind of, uh, the same structure over and over again. And, I don't know. So that kind of makes me think that that's a portal because I've, I've thought about it. I don't know how many times, you know, and I've looked at these structures and I think, what would they be? I mean, it's not like it's, you know, some of them are really large and then some of them are not that large, but you, it's the same kind of thing. They overlap one another, they weave it and they, I mean, you can tell that it was done that way purposely, but it's not really necessarily big enough for them to actually lay in or use as a shelter type situation. In a lot of ways, I think that it has to be something to do, do with like a portal or something. That's the only thing I can think of. And if yeah, you're, definitely. you know, if you're thinking portal, I don't, I mean, I don't really know that. I mean, I guess, you know, spirits do come through portals and stuff, but um, I don't know. This is different. Hmm, yeah. That's, I mean, so the structures, I know uh, most of the time I see them, you know, there's like trees laying over top and making like teepee st style structures. But I have seen a few that are like circular in orientation. And do you think they do that to mark? Like if there is portals, they are like marking like this is a doorway. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I do. I think that they, I think they use that as markings for um, like, I don't know, different I don't know, like as in like where the portals are or whatever. Um, and I've seen a lot. I've, you know, another thing that's interesting to me is hiking around. Um, I've hiked, you know, in, you know, three or four different states. And we stay around like the Cumberland Plateau area. And that's where I've had a lot of my experiences. And, um, you know, Native Americans, they used to make uh markings in the woods with trees and you can see them all over Tennessee uh, where they the tree goes up and it bends and then it uh, makes like a, a straight line and then it goes back up again and usually I've had uh, experiences with Bigfoot around areas who have the, where they have those markers so I don't know if they're using that for something or if that's something to do with like a sp spiritual uh, top area. I don't know, but it's just really weird. And also, um, those, uh, what are they called? The, um, wood hens. I I've noticed lately that, um, over the past year that anytime I've had any kind of, uh, Bigfoot experience or, you know, any kind of communication, there's been a wood hen nearby. And it and it's and it's the weirdest thing. And I'll hear that. And then, you know, I've heard whistling and wood knocks and stuff coming after that. So I don't know if they've got anything to do with it or not. I mean, it's just a weird thing I've picked up on. I don't know. Yeah, that's that is in, very interesting. Huh. Um, so I was I was wondering also with the medium aspect of this. So. Do you pick up on like, I mean, I, I don't know how, how the interactions with like a creature like Bigfoot would work. Um, I don't know if you could go into that a little bit. Well, it's like, um, um, it's like they, they, they can sense me. 
it's like I can, um, it's like I'm a freaking antenna or something. I don't know. They just kind of seek me out. I don't go out looking for them. Me and my husband, didn't. We, you know, we don't really ever go out looking for them, but um, it's like they sense whenever I'm around and I can sense whenever they are around too. Um, I get really uh, nervous and my heart rate shoots way up and I get out of breath. I get really bad winded and then I start getting a headache and uh, it's, you know, I can always tell whenever there's something around and, and it, they're not always uh, happy that I'm around either. You know, uh, I don't know why that is, but um, I have sensed anger uh, whenever I've felt that they were near. And I have, you know, the one that I saw, I have, you know, you know, didn't have any clue at all that he was irritated or anything he was it was just like he was friendly like he was uh wanting me to see him you know but um the other times it's not been so pleasant it's been scary actually the last time was scary a little bit it's kind of like they get aggressive or something i don't know but i can always sense whenever they're near i it's like um uh, with spirits, like with people, for instance, like, okay, like say I know somebody and they pass away and whenever you're living, I can sense your, uh, I guess some people call it your aura or whatever, but I can feel your spirit and everybody's spirit has their own fingerprint. It's like a fingerprint. And I, they've got their own feeling that I feel with that person. So whenever they pass away and I can feel that person if they're around or, you know, whatever, but there's other people that have them that are similar, but never the same. And it's kind of the same way with Bigfoot. I've noticed that they all have their own uh, spirit or whatever. That's like their, their own fingerprint. It's, it's the strangest thing. But that's how, you know, I sense that they're around. It's their energy, I guess. Yeah. I want to uh, say something here, too, because, I mean, I am not a medium and don't have any kind of gifts. But I have said for years that I believe once you have had some type of interaction with Bigfoot, and I'm not talking about hearing a wood knock or hearing a whistling, but if you have been zapped or mind speak or even visually saw one I have always felt like you have opened yourself up and that when you're in another area and there are Bigfoots near they know the people that have yes. had interactions with them yes. and the same people have interactions I mean I've had so many interactions that sometimes people will be like I want to go on the trail with you because you're the Bigfoot whisperer and I'm like no I'm not I'm not <laughs> no. but things happen to me more often than they do other people mm -hmm. and or other people that are with me at the time. So what she's saying is, you know, from, from a different perspective, I do believe that that happens somehow, some way, whether they have some ability to be able to know that. Um, I don't know, but it's, she's very accurate in that. They, they know, let me let me ask a question real quick. Let me play podcaster here for just a second. Yeah, yeah, uh, go ahead. Okay, Wendy, I need to ask you this because this is just this just popped into my head when you were explaining 
that spiritual aspect. Do you feel a spiritual kind of a thing with animals at all? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Or like, can you explain that just a little? Like, are all dog spirits the same or all or cats or they all have their own too? Yeah, they have their own too. And I never thought about that with Bigfoot either, but they do. Animals do have their own spirits. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, I don't know if it's not like ours. Mm -hmm. It's uh, different, but they all do have their own fingerprint too. Well, now, okay, with yeah. Bigfoot, then are they are they like ours? Yeah, I'm trying to get to the point of where I'm trying to ask: Is there any spiritual way to tell just how close to us they really are? Well, they're now there's they're very intelligent, like like we are. Like um, they're the way that their spirit is is just uh, it's humanistic so much, so okay. much more than what an animal would be. And they're very intelligent. And you can tell that. I mean, I can see that um, from the way that I've heard them speak to me, like uh, if they're near me and I know that they're communicating with me, how else? I mean, unless they're speaking something that would like, you know, go through some kind of translator. I don't know how in the world would they make me to understand it if they didn't understand it themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I see where you're going with that. But they are not like the same as animals. But they are more like us. Yeah, there's way more like us. Okay, I may open some can of worms here. Um, So I know there's been a lot of talk of possibly them being like Dephilim, you know, which hybrid between fallen angels and humans. Um, What what do you think about that possibility? Do Do you ever get any feelings of like, a malevolent kind of sense from these creatures. Yeah. I know a lot of people think they're friendly, you know, forest giants or whatever, but you know, I mean, there's been some, a lot of, you know, people get some, get attacked or rocks thrown or yes. whatever. Um, just what are your feelings on that? I feel the same way about the Nephilim because um, I've, I've wondered that a lot because of the spiritual world, you know, because they're so like, their, their spirit is so like other spirits that I have encountered and I have encountered other than human spirits. And, um, it's, it's very unusual because it's kind of like our spirit, uh, mixed with a different type of spirits. I mean, I know the Bible talks of familiar spirits and, uh, Familiar spirits are spirits that have never been embodied and they've never been human. So um, I think that they could fall in that line of possibly being Nephilim that, you know, it's that's an angel that's, you know, coming, being with women here on Earth. And um, I think that's probably a possibility yeah. because they, you know, they said that they're giants created from that and they are very large but their their spirit is more like a a, a mixture between the two human and well i guess an angel would be an embodied spirit i mean i don't know yeah. so yeah huh so i heard a very interesting um hypothesis on another podcast um this podcaster his name's joel thomas um, he talks about how he feels like these creatures, whether Bigfoot or like Dogman or aliens, they're like, he calls them 
meat suits for lack of a better word and you know they're built and then these spirits inhabit them and take them over what what are your thoughts on that <laughs> yeah i've i've, I've uh, listened to uh, a lot of sasquatch chronicles and west yeah. germer had a particular episode where uh, some I guess some religious woman was talking to these uh, these two guys who were having all these incidents having, happening on their property, and she explained to them that they were basically meat sacks. Uh, they were they were not living, but they were uh, when they're not actually being used by whatever comes and fills the body. They lie dormant in the ground, and I actually I actually got a a report from a lady several years ago who was uh, she was probably in her 70s when she told me about this but her um, her father took her deer hunting in West Tennessee back in the early 60s and he put her up in a tree stand at 4 a.m. just on the outside of an of a cornfield that you know of course in the winter time most of the corn was off the ground there was a light dusting of snow and she was sitting in that tree stand waiting for sunrise. And as the sun rose, about 40 yards in front of her on the ground, the ground started to quake. And she she just looked at me dead on and swore to me that one of these things dug its way up out of the ground and stood up and dusted itself off, dusted the, the dirt and the snow off of it and just walked away. Didn't even know she was there didn't even acknowledge her existence, but she said it was huge and she practically walked over top of it on the way to the tree stand. That, that is crazy. That is, that's one of the creepiest stories I've ever heard. And, and yeah. that, that falls right in line with that meat sack idea. And, and I've read, I've read reports of where people, um, engineers on trains have hit something on the tracks. And when they go out to investigate what's left, it's just skin. There's no bone. There's no, there's no sustenance inside whatever it was. It was just, again, it was like a suit. <laughs> so, so, you know, if there's any truth to that, yeah, we're, we're probably talking about meat sacks here. Yeah. So, so this brings me back to something, man. So if you remember like, gosh, it's maybe 10 years ago in Georgia, you know, there was that big thing where there was a, the guy put the suit in the freezer yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah. that, but you yeah. know what? It kind of, I mean, it would, was it? A, did the guy really have no Bigfoot? That, and was, that was a that cover was up, straight up hoax, bro. That it was, was straight a, up. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you just said suit, and I was just thinking, <laughs> well, maybe that was a Bigfoot, and they just covered it up because it's a suit. But you know, it's you know, no that yeah. that was that was a real suit. That was that was a Halloween yeah. city suit. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Lori, um, I got a question for you. Um, speaking of the BFRO, I know they don't really um, like to talk about the the woo, uh, which is the supernatural aspect of Bigfoot. So, um, is have they are they getting more comfortable with that, or is they are they still um, like this is just an animal? It's not spiritual. Um, the BFRO firmly believes that this is a flesh and blood animal, but I will okay. say this: that that they are lightening up um, their views. Because a lot of us out here are reporting things back, and you know they can't call all of us crazy. Um, there's just there's too much out there to ignore it. And like I said earlier, if you want to call yourself a researcher, investigator, whatever, 
you better you better be able to have an open mind and listen to all of it, whether you believe it or not. It's an entirely different subject, but you better be able to to lock that information back in your brain somewhere so that if it comes back up, you have this this opportunity to say, wait a minute, this is the third time I've heard this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, while I'm a BFRO investigator, I tell people all the time, first and foremost, I'm an individual. I'm a researcher. I'm not going to go by somebody's rules just to make nice. Um, I have to be true to myself. Yeah, so, totally. So B, I mean, BFRO, you know, I could never talk bad about them because they serve their purpose. Uh, first and foremost, they are the number one research organization. They have the largest database. And if you only knew half the things that aren't in the database, that's the biggest thing. There are thousands of reports that are not in the database because people would say, I'll tell you this story, but I don't want to see it printed anywhere. I don't want it heard it told because they don't want the ridicule. Um, so BFRO serves its purpose, but it's it's not for everybody. You either love it or hate it. There's really no middle ground. Yeah, true. Um, I, I mean, I love the Finding Bigfoot stuff. And I mean, I know people have problems with Matt Moneymaker, but I mean, I, I, I love the show. I think it's great. Um, I know he can be over the top sometimes that everything sounds, everything's a Bigfoot, you know, but, uh, you know, I love it. So, um, Matt is a unique individual and Matt started this organization with the best intentions and he does continue to try to seek the truth and to seek what Bigfoot is. But again, you either like Matt or you don't like Matt. And if people want to make fun of finding Bigfoot, which Matt's BFRO, but none of those other people on finding Bigfoot were BFRO. Yeah. But the, the same thing goes for um, Expedition Bigfoot or any of those shows. People have to realize that they are a show. They are done for entertainment purposes. Um, you know, if they found Bigfoot on the first show, then it'd be, you know, found Bigfoot, not finding Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Expedition Bigfoot, people are like, oh, that's a great show. Well, those people don't even camp. Um, you know, they stay in a hotel nearby and then they come out of their tents in the morning looking awesome. You know, they, they may do some research, but again, it is a show and it, it's all, um, I can't say it's 100% staged, but there is a script. You know, there are mm. things that they have to follow. So you just have to take that as entertainment. Yeah. I mean, most, most of the TV shows are scripted. Um, I mean, that Expedition Bigfoot, uh, I'm a huge fan. I mean, the past season was amazing. Yeah. I thought, oh, I loved it. Oh, my gosh. It, it it really had me on the edge of my seat at times. Yeah. I loved it. And I watch Bigfoot shows that are, you know, a negative 10 to some that are really, really good. <laughs> yeah. But, um, again, you just take it all in stride. If you, if you enjoy Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call it, they're fun to watch and and you just have to laugh at them sometimes. And it's just like, okay. I mean, my own husband laughs at me and walks around the house and hits the wall and says, I think there was a Bigfoot. And I'm just like, shut up, you know, because he just wants to make fun of me or he'll say, come on, practice one of your howls. And I'm just like, I, I don't want to hear another word out of your mouth. 
So I usually watch the Bigfoot shows outside on the porch. Okay. Yeah. I see my husband, um, he used to be a skeptic. He's not anymore since he moved in into my house. <laughs> he used to be a skeptic of, you know, all things spiritual or whatever, but now he's a firm believer. He's He's seen so many things just in my house that have scared him so bad. He, you know, uh, and he's had his own experiences with with Bigfoot, rocks thrown at us, stuff like that. He's, uh, I've got him on video. I had my GoPro on, and we were in Big South Fork, and we were coming up the hill, and uh, it was after we had heard, you know, uh, noises in the woods, and it sounded like Bigfoot, and um, we were coming up the hill, and all of a sudden, this huge rock got thrown at us, and I had his face on camera, and I play it back to him all the time. I'm like, look at your face. <laughs> that was just priceless. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't believe Bigfoot, for the most part, do things to harm you. Right. I think they, they do uh, bluff charges. They do things to get your attention, mm-hmm. to maybe get you in the area, but there are very, very, very few instances where somebody says they got hurt. And as close as some of the times that rocks have been thrown at people, they would have hit you. Yeah. You know, they would have hit you. It wouldn't have just landed, you know, beside you at the campfire. Exactly. That's what people said to me, too. Wonder why I didn't throw it and hit you. And I said, because I didn't think it was meaning to. It was doing that to either, you know, it didn't like us being there. I think it was actually trying to communicate because, um, and you can actually see in the video, because I had my GoPro on the whole time, the spiritual activity that started happening whenever it started happening, whenever they started throwing those rocks. And then I just went back over to the uh, overlook there. And and uh, I, I feel like I can communicate with them that they can understand me because whenever I feel their spirit or uh, energy or whatever it is that they have, um, I can, you know, like that day I was saying, throw another rock. And it did. It threw another rock and you can hear it in the video. So I know that they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Um, Wendy, um, I was wondering, I don't, I don't know if you want to talk about this or not. You may. Um, but you you had posted something, um, I think it was, it was a couple of weeks ago. Um, you guys were at Pickett State Park and you had an encounter. Yes. That was just, you know, could you uh, tell a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, me and my husband, we were over there hiking, and uh, we went up to the Twin Arches. And we were up on top of the Twin Arches, and I was like, you know, this is a really good echo, you know, uh, point where I could actually do a, you know, a couple of whoops. So I did, and I didn't hear anything back, you know, and there was like two people walking down below, and and uh I thought, well, they're, you know, they're probably going to think I'm crazy or whatever, but I went ahead and did it anyway, and I didn't hear anything. Well, that night, we, uh, the Twin Arches was probably about um, 20 minutes from where we were staying. We, we go up there and we stay in this little caboose that you can rent, and uh, we were staying in that. Well, that night, I went to sleep. My husband, he kept getting woke up by something scratching on the caboose. And the caboose is out in the middle of this big field. There's nothing around you, really. And um, it's actually over in Pogue Creek uh, Canyon where you can hike that area over there. And it's got that astrology field or whatever. You can get out there and pitch a tent and look. And it's one of the darkest areas in Tennessee where you can see the Milky Way. And so um, he was hearing scratches on the, the caboose. And 
so he didn't get to sleep very well. Well, the next day we get up and we go hiking at another location. And we're probably three minutes away from the caboose at this point. And we get up and, and we get off trail and we're, you know, exploring a little bit. And we find this cool little camping area. So we figured we, you know, take a break. It was getting ready to be sunset. So we was just going to take a quick break. And we were sitting up there. And then all of a sudden, one of those wood hens started yelling you know it started you know doing its thing and i was like i looked at my husband and he he knows now uh what you know what happens whenever we hear one of those that something's getting ready to happen and i was i looked at him and he looked at me and we was like oh no you know because we were out a little bit you know hiking out and it was sun was getting ready to set and uh next thing we hear about maybe five or ten seconds later is a big a bigfoot yelling i mean it was yelling really loud and it sounded like maybe it was i don't know maybe a mile from us not even that much and i was and then i i started getting that my heart started racing and i started losing my breath and i thought you know i've got a ways to hike out of here i can't get sick right now because that's usually what happens i start you know getting sick and um so we hightailed it out of there and we went back to the caboose well that night uh it was you know it's real dark outside and stuff and i had my little ipad over there and i was watching a, a movie and i had a, the lights dimmed down inside the caboose and um i heard uh, i felt like something was looking at me because inside this caboose she doesn't have uh, she's an engineer and she, you know, she got this caboose from her dad. She didn't really decorate it all inside, but she doesn't have curtains up and it's got three windows on each side of it. And um, I felt like something was looking at me, you know, and I was, I got that uncomfortable feeling and I thought, you know, I'm trying to be quiet for Randy because this whole caboose is open except for the bathroom door. And, you know, it's the only thing that's got a door on it. So I was trying to be really quiet, not to wake him up. Well, I get up and I'm walking toward the door to go ahead and shut the light off. And I see this black silhouetted looking thing in the window. And I thought, my God, is that my reflection? I could, how could I get my reflection? Because I'm not like right in the window looking at it. I'm walking up to the window and I see this and and I think, you know, okay, well, you know, you're just starting to scare yourself now. I mean, it's, you know, it's not anything there. And I've just seen my reflection and that's all it is. So I kind of brushed it off and I went over there and I turned off the light real quick and I turned around and I, you know, walked to the bathroom and I went in there and I turned the light on and I had the door shut. Well, in that bathroom, there is the back door that goes out on the little black, the little back, you know, porch of the caboose and, um, the down at the bottom of it there's this crack where the light goes on the outside we've stayed at this caboose enough to know you know all the odds and ends about it but um the light in the bathroom i guess was shining out there or whatever well the next thing i i freak out because something starts clawing at the bottom of the door and it's clawing at that corner and then it starts to try to come up the middle of the door like it's trying to get in and I freak out. I almost ran completely through that door. And I went in there and I woke Randy up. I said, it's, you've got to get up. I said, there's something trying to get in the back door here. 
And he said, I heard that last night, something was scratching on the caboose walls. And you know, the caboose is up pretty high. And so I went over to the front porch light and I flipped the light on and the light was really bright and it shined around. I flipped all the lights on from each end of the caboose. And I looked around um, where my where the truck was at and I didn't see anything. And then I turned around and I looked back toward the, where the bathroom was at and I saw a, a big black, the only thing I could, you know, describe it as is a big black butt going around the, the corner of the caboose. And I was thinking, you know, I was trying to guesstimate on the measurements and I was thinking, you know, that can't be a bear because the bear, it would have to have really, really long legs for that butt to be up that high going around. So I was telling Randy, I said, come over here and look. So by the time he gets over there to look, it's already gone around the caboose. So then I go back around and look around the driveway and there's something huge black and it just flashes by the driveway and goes into the wood, into the wood line. And I mean, it was a, it looked like a spirit to me because it kind of, uh, it, it didn't like move up and down. It kind of floated across the, the driveway into the wood line. So Randy's like, you know, I don't know if I want to go back up there or not, <laughs> but uh, we're going to go back up there in March and see, you know, I'm not really looking for it. I'm just going to go up there and hike because there's a lot of great hiking areas around there. But, you know, it's, you know, I get out there and I'm looking at that caboose to see exactly how high it is. And it's probably about 10 feet up where that window was at. So, I mean, it's, it was pretty big if that was what that was, but I, Every time they're around, I can feel them. It's just really weird. It's it's just really weird. It's like a, I don't know, a connection or something. It's just really weird. But yeah, that, that, is, that is out. Yeah, that that sounds intense. I, I don't I don't know. I, I would have been freaking out, peeing my pants. You know. <laughs> we actually uh, that same weekend, I told I talked Randy into going down to Hazard Cave in the middle of the night. It was about midnight. And that's on the other side of the road where we had, uh, there's, uh, on one side is where they have the Indian rock house. And that's where we had those rocks thrown at us. Well, I had really kind of forgotten about that. <laughs> so I talked him into going across the road down to Hazard Cave area. Well, I've got this all on video too. We're going down the steps and Randy's like, I really don't want to go because it was really foggy down there. You couldn't see like three foot in front of your face. And I was like, oh, come on, let's go down here. I want to get down here and see if we can, like, you know, see in the cave and see if we can, you know, build a little fire or something, you know. And uh, he kept saying, I don't want to go down there. And I said, why? I said, are you afraid of animals? And he said, no, I'm not afraid of animals. He said, I'm afraid of spirits. And I said, spirits? And he said, yeah. And I said, oh, God, okay, come on, let's go. But I had forgotten that. Uh, right over from Hazard Cave, there is a little area that you can go off trail and there's these uh, holes inside the mountain. And it looks like, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Conjo or what is it? Is it uh, Congo, the Congo movie where the apes get in the walls and they're like, yeah. you know, holes. That's what this looks like. Well, last year, I think it was, I was videoing and I was doing a video of the uh, holes and stuff because I felt a spiritual presence over there and 
while I'm standing there talking, something comes up and it physically pushes me from the back. And you can see it on video. It pushes me. And I thought it was Randy. So I turned around and I said, you, you scared me. You pushed me. And he said, I didn't, I didn't push you. And his voice was like 10 feet away from me. So at that point, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I know what it is now. So he was freaking out about that. So I, whenever we uh, had that experience with Bigfoot on the other side, I thought, I wonder if they're staying in those caves right there, if that's like one of their hideouts or whatever. And maybe, I don't know, that they have some kind of contact with other spiritual beings, or maybe there was one of them that came up and pushed me in the back. I don't know, but it's really interesting to me that they could be in there. But I know yeah, that, he was freaking out. He didn't want to go down there. <laughs> I, I, I totally, I mean, I would be freaking out too. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, that's, those are some pretty intense stories. Um, so. I got a question. What, okay, go a ahead. Question. Go ahead, man. Lori, could you, could you sort of walk me through what a um, expedition is like, where you guys go, the kinds of things that you guys do, um, what exactly you guys are looking for when you're on expeditions, how long do they last? Uh, just kind of give me an idea of what, what these events look like. Sure. Um, th- typically, they start on a Thursday. Um, I always try to start mine on a Wednesday because I like to give people their money's worth and I don't have anything to do with what BFRO charges, but typically they're in an area where there is either known Bigfoot activity, um, reports of Bigfoot activity, or in an area that just suits everything that a large hominid would need. Food, water, cover. So I, what I try to do on my expeditions is have different guests come uh, different authors. I, I actually had uh, Matt come to one that we had um, two years ago and tell about their experiences or their own research. Uh, again, like I've had Scott Carpenter attend. I've had, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with 50 Years Living with Bigfoot, but um, there's a lady by the name of Janice, uh, Janice Carter. She was actually the grandchild in the story, 50 Years with Bigfoot. Um, she actually lives in uh, Madisonville. Uh, she has some pretty fantastic stories as well. But we try to teach people things like how to cast a footprint if you find one, um, sounds to listen for. And when I say sounds to listen for, not necessarily Bigfoot for sounds. The biggest mistake people make, including myself and everybody that ever goes with me, is that animals make a lot of different sounds that you may say, I don't know what that is. It's got to be a Bigfoot. But, you know, possums make sounds, raccoons, mountain lions, cougars, all of those things make so many different sounds. And it's very important to educate yourself on different sounds animals make. Um, we try to take, you know, we take people out during the day scouting. We take people out at night. We only use red headlamps um, because if you use a red headlamp, if you take your red headlamp off, your night vision is still going to be there. If you have a white flashlight and you turn off that flashlight, you're blind. You can't see. 
we only use white lights in case of an emergency or you know something's going on and then we'll turn on a white light um, but the biggest thing is that just we try to have a camaraderie between both the people that are there who fully believe in bigfoot and those that are skeptics and um, being together camping and hiking with like-minded people who are not going to laugh at you for your bigfoot stories that's the biggest thing you know you just want to you want to educate people when they're hiking and you do not have to hike into never never land to be in bigfoot territory we've had activity at our campsites we've had activity 100 yards down on the trail because if there are bigfoots in the area they are going to they're going to know you're there regardless i don't necessarily believe you have to be a hunt uh, a hunter uh, mindset and be quiet because if they're intelligent like we think they are they're going to be curious and i think uh, like i said earlier the only time that they're aggressive i believe is if you've gotten too close to their family unit um, i do i do believe that there are what i call sentinels guards they're night hunters and i believe that they live in a family unit and that their families are deeper in the woods so um you know we had an incident about three years ago on an expedition where three guys that i have known for years probably eight years trust them with my life i would never have a problem going into woods with them or believing anything they said um, they had an incident where they had saw three bigfoots on one trail and they got a little spooked and they said we're, we're leaving and, and there was a very large bigfoot following them down the trail and they even said that they thought something was wrong with it um, but they weren't really scared but they were just like why is it continuing to follow us and it was further back but they could turn around and see it and they said when they got to the end of the trail that off to the side of the trail there was one and you used the word earlier they said it was malevolent they said that one was just waiting it was going to pounce us if something was wrong and i've never i've been out with these guys since then i've never seen them more scared and upset um, as Matt had said one of them was urinating blood afterwards the other one was sick throwing up just it it was unreal and you know there were people that said I don't believe the story that's you know I just don't believe it three on the same trail and I said I have no reason not to believe them and if I can't prove to somebody that they're lying how can I tell somebody something didn't happen if I wasn't there yeah. Um, so I got a little off off subject there, but that's that's basically what an expedition is 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 like minded people um, going out camping, being in the woods, um, talking amongst each other, educating each other, and sharing stories so that you could be prepared for all things. Like I said, I've had so many things happen to me that it seems unrealistic. I mean, it, it, sometimes I hear myself, and, and one time I even saw one, and I was on a trail with five other people, with four other people, and I thought, I'm not going to say anything, and I just I just sat there, and I just watched, and um, then a guy that was 
probably about 50 or 60 yards from me, said, Lori, Lori, come here. And I walked over, I'm like, yeah, what's up? And he's like, I want you to look right here. I just saw, and I'm like, you just saw a Bigfoot move from tree to tree down that hill. And he's like, how did you know? And I said, because I saw it. He said, why didn't you say anything? I said, because I don't want to be that person that people say, oh, there she goes again, saying something happened. Um, Because even sometimes amongst friends, you just don't, you just don't want to say everything that really happens and, you know, everything that, 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 that you've been associated with. But um, I tell everybody that wants to get into Bigfoot research, go on an expedition, go with people that nobody's an expert, but go with people who know what they're doing. It's not for everybody. I have a lot of repeaters come on mine, but every once in a while I'll have somebody say, this isn't what I thought, or I don't like walking at night in the middle of the woods. And I'm like, I get it. I, I understand. I even had one person one time say, well, are we going to see one on this trail? Which way should I look? And I just kind of had to laugh. I'm like, <laughs> there are no guarantees for that kind of stuff. You know, this isn't the zoo. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't the Audubon acres where we just walk through and it's going to be, oh, you're right. We have yes. a male <laughs> You know, it, it, it doesn't work like that. And sometimes you get stumped. Sometimes you go and you're just like, wow, this has always been a good place, but I hear, I've heard nothing. You know, there's no life in this forest right now. Um, I tend to believe that they move, not like they don't fly south for the winter, but I believe they move in maybe, you know, maybe a hundred miles. They move in this area and they, they go through certain places at certain times. And it may be like a two week pattern because nothing can stay in the same area and live like that. Or I don't believe they can. I think they have to keep moving and then they circle back around to that area. Yeah, so, so with that being said, I mean, sorry, Jason. Uh, no, no, go ahead. In there. Um, with that being said, um, do you have specific places that you guys go? Do you stay in East Tennessee in the Appalachian Mountains? Do you guys, um, I know you said you're from Alabama, so do you guys go south to like Alabama? How, how does that work? Um, well, expeditions are everywhere. I lead expeditions in Tennessee and North Georgia just because that, those are what I call my stomping grounds. Um, there was a place in um, in northeast Georgia that I went to all the time, and it always had activity until COVID. And then everybody and their brother were camping. Mm-hmm. So you ended up having way too many people in the forest, and you couldn't trust anything you heard. Um, I tend to go to a few select places. Um, to take expeditions to, but where we take expeditions is strictly up to us. Um, I'm currently checking out a place in Northeast Alabama. Uh, my expedition, I have an expedition at the end of April and it's in East Tennessee um, in a well-known reportedly Bigfoot area. And as a matter of fact, the last time I had an expedition there was in 2020. Yeah, it was COVID year. And we um, actually have cast tracks and we were walking down a muddy trail. Everybody was walking down this trail. We walked, we didn't walk that far cause it was, it had rained solid for two days. We came back down the trail and there's a giant footprint barefoot right in the middle of the trail. 
It wasn't made by us. It couldn't have been made by anybody else. We were in the middle of nowhere. And it was not there when we went that way. So was there one following us? Was there, you know, I don't know, but we got great cast prints from it that we actually showed to, uh, we took it to one of the conferences and showed Dr. Meldrum, um, who, as you know, is is the leading person in being able to identify Bigfoot tracks. And he said it was a good track. Hmm. He felt like it was, you know, legit. Yeah, I've noticed that. Uh, I mean, me and my husband, we always hike in places where there is nobody because we just, we don't, I mean, we just don't like hiking around a lot of other people. We want to be in the woods alone as much as possible. So like the Bigfoot print that we saw, that first one that we saw was up on top of, um, it was in a Catoosa area and it was up on top of the mountain, up on the ridge. And uh, it was, we, there was nobody else up there. But I mean, I've noticed too that if that's where I see a lot of activity is where there's nobody else around. It's kind of like I'm invading their space or something. Yeah. So for these expeditions, um, how many people usually go on, on the expeditions? Mm. Do, do you have like a set number or do you have like a roundabout number you try to um, hit? It depends on where we're going. Uh, and I say that because if we're really going primitive camping where we have no bathrooms or water or electricity or phone service, I will take a lot fewer people because I don't want to have to deal with them. <laughs> but if if we have electricity and let's say our base camp is going to be at a state park, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where we're going to squatch. That's just where your base camp is. Um, I'm liable to take a few more. Um, I've taken as many as 50 on an expedition. And again, that's at base camp. I never take more than eight people on a trail. And when I say on a trail, we may have 20 trails that are approved by the Forest Service because I get all the permits and stuff. So I may have 20 trails in six groups out. You know, we may be 10 miles apart. Um, but my, my number that I would really like is about 30. That's where I'm comfortable and, um, you know, you can, it's kind of like little kids. You kind of have to reel them in because they're all wanting to talk during class time. <laughs> so yeah. you, you get more than that and you're like, hey, excuse me, you and your sidebar conversation go go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's so many areas. If, if, if you go in the woods at all, there are so many areas that people think, oh, there can't be Bigfoots. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, especially in North Georgia and East Tennessee, where we have so much rhododendron, mm -hmm. you could have you could be three three steps off the trail and nobody see you. Yep. You know that dark green glossy leaves. You're not going to see somebody. If a Bigfoot doesn't want to be seen, it's not going to be seen. Right. There are no yeah. accidents. You know, there are no accidents in a Bigfoot being seen unless it just happened across the road at a time that um, did not hear the car, but. Typically, if you see a Bigfoot, it's because they're allowing you to see it. Yep. I, I once had a, um, a Native American from Nevada, Arizona, somewhere out there tell me, he said, you know, before you ever go out, you should calm yourself and ask Bigfoot into your heart and talk to them and tell them that you have an open mind. 
And that has stuck with me for 10 years that, you know, I'm not a meditating type of person, but before I get on any trail, I turn on my audio recorder and I, I try to talk to the forest as I'm walking. And, you know, there are people that look at me like I'm crazy and, and I probably am in a lot of senses, but, you know, I just try to say, you know, we're not here to hurt you. You know, we're, we're very curious. Would you make yourself known to us? Kind of, I guess, the same way as ghost hunters do. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, that's a lot more people than I would have uh, would have imagined. 30 seems like, like, a, a, like you said, a big group of people to sort of corral and get their attention and... Um, so that's very interesting. Thanks, Lori. Well, when you're in a base camp, it's fine. But I would never, like I said, I, three to five is how many I want on a trail. But eight is my absolute, you know, my limit. And that's with me having first aid um, EMTs at my base camp at all times. There's always somebody in my base camp if somebody gets hurt. Um, that's just how I like to run them. And, and I usually do about three or four a year for BFRO. And then I do several private ones for other groups. And then I do a lot just to me and my friends. Okay. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so with these trails and stuff you go on, um, I'm just curious, um, have you ever done any uh, treks at um, Frozen Head State Park or um, Big South Fork, because I know they, they kind of connect right there. Um, I'm just asking because um, I've been up through there and I've I've seen what I think are tracks. I don't know if they are tracks. I've taken some pictures and posted it to you guys. Um, I've, Matt may remember this has been years ago. But, um, yeah, I'm just wondering if, you know, if there's any activity in that area, if you know of. I have a, uh, a lady that contacted me about um, – she had some activity on her property. Well, it was her boyfriend's property, but she lived with him and she too was um, gifted. I mean, she, she had some, some gifts and she, you know, she wanted me to come out there, but her boyfriend was a truck driver and uh, she's like, you have to do it when he's not here. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not coming anywhere where you know, I'm going to get shot because <laughs> yeah. boy, her boyfriend didn't want her to talk about it. And she would be like, he's not going to be home till tomorrow morning. Can you come tonight? And I'm like, uh, uh, <laughs> no, but she, she had little dogs and she said that she had, um, she had a lot of forest right there at frozen head. And she said there was a lot of activity and things would happen in her yard at night. That's um, actually where my husband got uh, pictures of the last footprint we got was in Frozen Head. And oh. uh, the the one that I saw was in Gobi, which is right uh, right next to Frozen Head. I mean, it's whenever uh, Finding Bigfoot went into Frozen Head, that's where they actually yeah. went into was Gobi to go see, to, you know, have that, uh, ex that expedition out there. And that's where I had my sighting was uh, on Gobi. Huh, that's awesome. The last time I was at Frozen Head, which I think was, it may have been two years ago now. Um, it was funny. I saw, if if you guys remember the Turtle Man show. Yeah. yeah. If you guys are familiar with that. Um, so apparently he does a Bigfoot thing now. I think it was on YouTube. He's really but, a cool um, guy. Yeah. But I saw him there 
And uh, we were actually, we were, we have a, a pop-up tent camper, you know. So me and my family's leaving, and I, I was like, oh, my God, right out of the window. I was like, Turtle Man. You know, he did this. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was really cool. But then, <laughs> That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, I went online, and I saw that he was doing a Bigfoot thing, and that's that's what he was doing. He was filming for that out there so that that, that was pretty cool yeah (laughs) you know i'm going to tell you close to where you guys are oh well kind of close to where you guys are one of the best places to go is um in the smoky mountains out near elkmont okay right now elkmont is closed but there is so much activity out there and also in cades cove people aren't aware that there's bigfoots in cades cove but there are yeah, we have a, uh, a member of the group, actually, who has found a track in Cades Cove and actually cast that track. Yeah, well, hmm. they're there. <laughs> That's awesome. They're there. Yeah, um, I've, the thing about the state parks, uh, I, you guys may or may not have heard this. I'm sure you have. It's, you know, in this community, you know, there's conspiracies go along with this hand and hand and foot, you know. Um, so you know, the state parks are kind of a mystery. I mean, why do they build the state parks? And, you know, some of the areas are restricted. You can't go there. Or what are they trying to hide? Or are, are they trying to hide something? You know, I mean, wh- what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think state parks were made to kind of give these guys a sanctuary? Well, I can tell you, you cannot get a permit to go squatching in a state park at night. Really? They, they will not allow you to go on any trail in a state park at night. And they will kick you out of that state park if you're found on any of those trails. Now, I was always told it was a liability, um, but there's a particular state park I go to that Matt has came to. And um, just outside of the state park, there's a state forest. So we're sitting, we're actually sitting in a cemetery parking lot. It's a really old cemetery. One of the forest rangers came up. And he's in his car and he's like, okay, just tell me, why are you in the cemetery? Why are you sitting in this if you're hunting for Bigfoot? And we're like, well, sometimes we get other kind of activity and sometimes we get Bigfoot activity. And we got him to tell us a lot of things that I don't think he was supposed to tell us. Mm -hmm. He told us about trails that weren't on the map. He told us about things that were reported that are not reported. Um, and he knew he could get in a lot of trouble for telling us that. But he's like, I've been doing this for 30 years, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it was it was real interesting because he probably shouldn't have told us some of the things he told us. Yeah. That's, I mean, I wish, I mean, it would be hard, but I mean, I would love, love, love to get a park ranger on the show just to talk about stuff. But I, I know that that's probably going to be impossible. They're, well, they're, but, they're not you know. <laughs> going to. The reason yeah, I know. They don't want to lose their pensions. They don't, you know. Um, think about just normal people who don't want to talk about this stuff for fear of being ridiculed or getting in trouble. I promise yeah. you, military, uh, park rangers, those type people, they're not going to talk about it. And even the ones that do, they talk about it um, under a guise of, so nobody will know who they are. Yeah. Now, Jason too, uh, I know and knowing where you live and knowing where I live, uh, we're both relatively close to the, uh, the reservation in Oak Ridge. And there are employees that work on the other side of those gates 
that have seen things and have actually told me about the things they've seen and encountered, but they are absolutely adamant that I don't even mention their names. Oh, now, they fear losing their jobs or being ridiculed or being somehow absolutely. in trouble if they say anything about anything like that. Uh, I've, yeah. I've talked to security people and heard stories about security people for the past 30, 40 years that come up and, and talk to me about things that they've seen and, and heard and some of the conspiracies that are involved with that. And I mean, you can go really deep into Oak Ridge if you want to about conspiracies, but uh, yeah, people are afraid to talk about this kind of stuff. Okay. So think about this for a second. When I get a um, permit from the national forest service and I pay a permit fee, I pay insurance to the national forest service. If you charge money, and you're going out there, you have to pay them a fee. I have to scout and tell them every trail that I'm going to be on. I can't just say, okay, I'm going to be in the Cherokee National Forest near blah, blah, blah. No, I have to map it out and show them where I'm going to be. And a few times they've said, oh, no, you can't be on that trail. That trail's got some washouts. It's dangerous. And, you know, I don't argue with them, even though I've already been on the trail to see. Yeah. Um, but why, why do they do that? You know, there's got to be a reason. There's got, there's a, there's a place in North Georgia that um, the campground was closed for three years and they said it was storm damage. Well, you could hike in and go up the back road and, and walk up a road about three miles to go to this campground. There was no storm damage. I know for a fact that there were aggressive Bigfoot stories coming out of there. I personally think they had to close it for that reason. Just my opinion, but I think they closed it until the activity died down because it was a very popular campground in a very popular area. That that's that's crazy to think about. Um, I'm gonna I, I have to ask. So I, Matt, I'm gonna bring it back to you. Okay. So I know you said you couldn't use use um, anyone's name or anything. Is there anything? You can talk about about the stories out of Oak Ridge, or is it all just kind of you can't talk about? Well, I guess probably the oldest story I've heard was from a uh, security officer who said that there was a particular officer who refused to go to a particular area on the reservation without a fully automatic rifle. Really? Refused to go there and wouldn't go there and eventually retired because of what they had seen. Um, and, you know, I've seen I've, I've heard stories of people who were driving toward the K-25 area and uh, it would be kind of like the uh, similar story that my mom told me. And this, you know, this is where it gets this is where the rubber meets the road, guys, for me, because, you know, my, my oldest son has seen a Sasquatch. Uh, my sister and her entire family has seen a Sasquatch. Uh, my ex-sister-in-law has seen a Sasquatch and my mother has seen a Sasquatch. Wow. And uh, Wendy, you might find this very interesting, but uh, where the uh, the dump is up in Frost Bottom, as you come up off Donovan Road at the Donovan Bridge, uh, my mom saw a very tall, very brown cedar tree on the right side of the road as she was heading to church up in Frost Bottom on a Wednesday night. And when she came back through, it wasn't there. Huh. So, and I went there the next day and I found a track. But oh. I didn't find a tree. I didn't find the stump of a tree. I found a track. So it was standing on the side of the road. 
and it made itself look like a a cedar tree. And and that's not the first time I've heard someone. And again, this goes back to where they were driving toward the K twenty five area, where there was a a cedar tree standing on the side of the road in actually in the asphalt. But as they drove by at forty five and fifty five miles an hour, all they could make out was a dead cedar tree standing in the road, you know, it's right off the road. And then when they go back later, it was gone. So. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, uh, speaking from experience of being, you know, in the woods and stuff, if there's ever anybody around me and my husband, we can just, I mean, like all the, all the rhododendron and stuff, we can actually just stand there even amongst like pine trees and we can just be still and those hikers will go right past us and not even see us. Right. So if they're they're using that same concept, I think if they see somebody, they don't want to actually be, you know, right out there aware. You know, they don't want people to be completely aware of their existence. They're standing there and they, they make themselves really still. And usually uh, if people don't see movement, they usually don't see that or, you know. It's really interesting that your mom saw that, though. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, my mom is not going to lie to me. No. (laughs) She's not going to lie to anybody. (laughs) Right. So I know. I know that she saw something that's out of the ordinary. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's awesome to think about because uh, (laughs) uh, Matt knows this, but um, my brother-in-law, he lives in Frostbottom. And so I know exactly the dump you're talking about and everything. I'm going to have to start paying more attention because – when we go out there, we usually stay all day and um, we'll leave, you know, 10, 11 at night coming back. And, you know, there's no traffic on that road, the main road. Right. And uh, I need to be uh, more mindful of my surroundings and keep an eye out for things. Oh, yeah, this, this could even I mean, I can maybe take you back to the 1920s uh, in Frostbottom where my grandfather's brother had an encounter at their old home place. Uh, actually, Wendy, up there where your brother has his cabin. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, there that's was, what he was talking about then, because he was mentioning that to me that somebody yeah. saw a Bigfoot up there. Yeah, that was actually uh, my great uncle who saw that, uh, according to my grandfather. And uh, my grandfather, you know, they didn't call it Bigfoot. They just said this just big, black, hairy thing chased him out of the woods. And um, my whole entire teenage life, you know, going squirrel hunting up in those hills, my grandpa would always tell me, to watch my back. He didn't tell me why. He didn't tell me what. He just told me to watch my back. And, you know, I finally put two and two together after all these years. And once I started researching and investigating this stuff, it's, it's pretty interesting. You know, in my teenage years, I used to go hiking up in those woods, you know, because, you know, uh, a lot of the guys that we used to run around with uh, would go up in there and go up to the cabins and stuff. And, uh, camp out. So I would go through the woods and, you know, without a flashlight or anything, I would just use the moonlight and I would go through the woods out there. And, uh, I could feel the same thing that I feel now whenever I'm around a Bigfoot. I felt the same thing then, but I didn't know what it was. And right. I felt that I was being watched, but I didn't know what it was. You know, I was only like 15 or 16 years old. So, you know, I had no clue. But, uh, yeah, that's very interesting that they're up in there because I have felt that before. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if they're up there now because I've, nobody has contacted me 
anywhere near that area. I guess the closest place where there's been um, consistent activity is Bryceville. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so up around those old mining camps and and up on that old Air Force Base and places like that. So, I wonder if Frostbottom's been kind of, uh, or they've been scared off because of all the activity uh, at Woodrock. That could be. That could be. Yeah, I've I've gotten several reports over the years from the Walmart. uh, Walmart, listen to me, from the (laughs) from the Windrock area. uh, But they were old reports from the '60s and '70s. Uh, nothing, nothing actually tangible in the past 15, 20 years up there. Hmm. So much going on as far as ATVs and like Wendy said, the logging and everything. Yeah. 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 Well, that's where I saw mine was uh, that big foot that I saw was on a logging road because I'd had my husband take me up on top of Gobi because we used to go up there and go ramp hunting as, you know, whenever I was a kid, I was like, you know, take me up there. I want to see, you know, if I can find the same spot where we used to go and, you know, grab ramp hunting and stuff. And, so he took me up there and went about, I was just playing around then at that point, you know, and I was just doing those whoops outside the truck window and something whooped back and I was like laughing and stuff. And I was like, did you hear that? I said, somebody is over the hill there where they're logging and somebody's over the hill and they're whooping back at me. I said, how funny. And uh, we just kept going around there and I did it again and they did it again. And whenever I come around the bend, there it stood behind that tree. And I was just dumbfounded. I've never in my life been so just like frozen. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't do anything. The only thing I could say was, do you see it? Do you see that? And I had a phone right in my lap, too. I could have picked my phone up and tried to take a picture. But it was like it was uh, happy to see me or it was like it it wanted me to see it. It was uh, gentle. It was wild i could see you know i could see its facial features a little bit where i mean it could you could tell where it didn't have hair underneath its eyes but its eyes were jet black it didn't have like white on each side of it it was just jet black and you could see the reflection of the light in it and you know i could see its hand around the front of the tree and as we were coming around the bend it was moving back like you know how you can try to continue to move back around the tree like you're trying to hide yourself that's what it kept doing. And I finally snapped out of it and I turned around and I looked at Randy and I said, did you see that? And he said, what? And then I turned around and looked again and it was gone. I mean, it was just mm. like that quick, wow. but yeah, it's, it was a logging road. It was up there where they were logging. So mm. it was really, it freaked me out. And then whenever I saw that footprint, I was like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to see this. <laughs> I don't want to see this again. So Yeah. yeah. Huh. That's crazy. Um, so what do you guys, what do you think is the people we have who've had direct experiences with Bigfoot? What do you think is the most terrifying experience you've ever had? If it's around, just feel free to go whenever, if, if, me, if anybody has one, if you don't, that's cool too. <laughs> well, I think the most terrifying experience I had was up here, that's, you know, just a few weeks ago in Pickett State Forest because or t- Pickett State Park was um, the feeling I got off of it. Kind of like it was, um, I don't know, it, it was uh, really kind of spooky to me that it was trying to get in that back door. I was like, why is it trying to get in this back door? You know, because they've never, 
attempted to get at me before. So why is this one all of a sudden? And it was, you know, and the scream that it let out, it was, uh, I could feel like a sense of danger or something. I had that, you know, fight or flight feeling come over me. So that was a scary experience for me. Yeah. Um, the only time that I've ever been scared, um, I've, I've, like I said, I've seen two Bigfoots. I've had mind speak. I've had other things happen. I've been zapped a few times, but the first zap that I ever got was in Wisconsin. And literally I froze, um, felt nauseous, couldn't breathe. The guy that was with me was shaking me going, Lori, Lori, you know, let's, let's just go. And I won't tell you the whole story, but the, the gist of it was, is he said, let's just drop the canoe right here on this trail and go to the car and we'll come back for it. And I said, we'll never make it up the trail. And he said, what do you mean? I'm like, we'll never make it up the trail because I knew at that point that what I felt was an adult at the top of the hill and a juvenile very close to me, that was going to be a, you're too close to my baby. And I knew that we were going to get hurt. Um, Mm. And I, you know, and I didn't even tell the group leaders about that for hours because I thought, this is crazy. This nobody's going to believe me. Um, but that I really felt like this is it. I, I'm not going to make it home. Yeah, I felt that way on Honey Creek one time. We went back down there because we got trapped down there at night, and uh, I still had pneumonia from COVID. And we were trying to come up all those ropes and stuff, you know, coming back out of there. And, uh, we ended up staying too late and my husband didn't bring his lot. We only had one lot. It was, it was a nightmare trying to get out of there. So we went back down there so I could video it, you know, um, so I'm a photographer on the side. So I like to see things, you know, we didn't get to see anything. So I went back down there, even though it was a nightmare and on the way back up, I had that where I just, I got a pair, I got paralyzed. I couldn't breathe. I was, uh, my heart was racing. I got really nauseous. Then I got a bad headache and I just couldn't move. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to have to have uh, somebody tr- take me out of here. I don't know how I'm going to get out of here because, I mean, we were in the middle of nowhere. And my husband, he says, you know, every time you do that, we start having some kind of activity. So is that what you call it? Is zapping it or what was it you said? Uh, zap- well, what we call it is zapping. Um, it's infrasound. Uh, oh, that's okay. basically it, infrasound is zapping, but that's just a term that we use. It's called zapping. Oh, okay. So, all right. That's what I've done before. Kind of freaky. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've never had one of those kind of encounters. I've never seen one. Uh, like, you know, Lori mentioned people who've heard tree knocks and have heard whistles and screams. I've heard some noises. Uh, I did, I believe I did experience mind speak that summer. My son had his encounter. Um, but I personally, and this is this is just me. It's 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 the strangest thing. I can't. It's hard for me to explain. Uh, I'm a person of Christian faith. I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He's everything. And um, I have a biblical worldview. And um, there are times when. I'm getting deep into a, a report or I'm, I'm investigating something and it's like there's a barrier or a, an invisible wall that goes up spiritually and I am 
stopped in my tracks. And it, it, I'm basically, I get this feeling that I don't need to go any further into this uh, because I'm going too far. I totally uh, get that. Yeah, I, I, I can't explain that. It's, uh, it's, it's not of me. It's not of my doing. And for whatever reason, you know, somebody's putting the brakes on me and not allowing me to dig too deeply into particular aspects of this. And I, and I suppose that would be just um, particular reports that I get, uh, people I talk to. Uh, I've had several opportunities to go places with people, but there's always something that comes up or there's always a feeling that I get that I don't need to do what I'm getting ready to do. And, and I've learned to take that advice from, from, <laughs> from whoever is telling me not to do that. So uh, that, I think that may be keeping me from learning a lot more. But then again, I think I'll learn what I need to learn as I go. Yeah, there's a reason for that, because I have the same experience, Matt. I know what you mean, because I'm a believer in Jesus. You know, I'm a follower of Jesus. And um, I get that, too, because, you know, I've always had, I've you know, gone to people's houses to cleanse them and to speak to spirits and stuff. And um, there's been times when I've had that very same feeling, something in my gut just stops me and says, don't go any further, don't go there. And so, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about there. That's really um, interesting. Um, that kind of brings it back around to the whole the Nephilim thing, you know, right. this, uh, these demonic spirits or um, whatever you, you want to call them. Um, yeah, I, I'm also a believer in Christ. And yeah, this this it's very and this is one of the things that's very intriguing to me is the, the Nephilim aspect. Um, I know if you read Revelation, you know, it says in the end times, it'll be as in the days of Noah. Yep. Right. And um, that's one of the, the main things that differs Noah's time from any other time is the Nephilim. And if, if that's what it is, then they're showing back up now. That makes you think what time we're living in, you know? Yeah. Well, let's, yeah. let's not forget there is another biblical possibility if, as far as biblical, if we want to look at a biblical worldview on this stuff. And, and I'm not saying this is the fact. I, I don't know what the facts are, but we have to, we have to remember Esau and Jacob as well, because when yes. Esau and Jacob were born, uh, Esau was the firstborn and he was covered with red hair from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And, uh, he became the nation Edom that the Bible speaks of. And God destroyed the nation of Edom and sent them out and just scattered them across the planet. Um, a lot of people believe that, uh, Bigfoot, Sasquatch are the remnants of the nation of Edom, which is Esau's remnants. That's that's yeah, very that's interesting, interesting, too. Yeah. I've always been intrigued with that story as well. It, it seems to make a lot of sense to me <laughs> because yeah. he was covered with hair. And, and when you think about the biblical story, when it comes back to, uh, to uh, Esau and Jacob being twins and uh, Jacob and his mother conspiring uh, against Esau because of that firstborn issue. And of course, you'd have to read up on that entire story. But uh, his mother covered him with goat skins so that his blind father lying on his deathbed would think he was blessing his oldest son Esau as he touched yeah. his neck and touched his arms. Mm -hmm. hmm. That's, yeah, that's something to think about right there, you know. Yeah. I wish, I wish there's more information <laughs> on, on that, you know, and a biblical view of, you know, what happened to that 
those people when they, when they were scattered. Right. Um, but you know, you got to think about there, you know, there was a land bridge at one time between Russia and, um, Alaska. Yeah. So, I mean, easily they could have came across that land bridge and ended up in North America. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, there's just gosh, in the, all this, I mean, I don't want to take the subject away from Bigfoot, but I mean, there's so many stories in East Tennessee, you have mountain giants. You have the little people, the Cherokee little people. There's a fairy lore. There's so much here. It's just rich with folklore and just supernatural things going yeah, on in Tennessee. Yeah. I personally, I'm, I'm one of those people. I believe there's a shred of truth in every legend, every myth. So we can, if when it comes to the fairies, when it comes to the trolls, when it there's there's got to be something to it. There's yeah. absolutely got to be something to it. What that is, I do not know. Yeah. Just just don't mess with dog men. <laughs> that, I agree. That's, that's my fear right there is, is him. That's that's the fear I, I, that I, you know, because I've got the ability to see so many things. That's that's my greatest fear right there. I don't want to come in contact with that. So you haven't at all. You've never experienced any dogman. Well, um, I've heard something that I thought was dogman in Colditz Cove State Park. Me and my husband did. It was the scariest thing, and it made the hair on my neck stand up. Um, and it wasn't anything like Bigfoot that I've heard. Um, it was sounded just like those sounds that you hear on like YouTube of what they're saying that dogman is. And mm -hmm. that's one thing that kind of scares me. Am I going to attract that too? Because, you know, before now, I went out in the woods whenever I was a teenager, but up until the last few years, me and my husband didn't hike. And we just started hiking and all this crazy stuff has started happening to me. And um, I don't know, is, it, is that going to happen to me too? And that's kind of, and we did get a print one day. It was, I, I didn't have a measuring tape with me. Of course, Matt's always telling me I need to take one with me. And, uh, uh, but we did, I did have a Sprite bottle, like a 20 ounce or a water bottle, not a Sprite bottle, but a water bottle. And I put it up to it and it was three toes. It was the weirdest thing, but it was huge and it was deep. And that was, uh, over near Peavine, uh, in Crab Orchard. And so I got to looking up things about it and it says that it can look like a dog man. And I was like, Oh God, here we go. You know, I'm, <laughs> I don't know about all that because that, that is my worst fear is to, is to see something like that. I mean, I've seen some pretty horrible, evil things in my life and I've had to deal mm -hmm. with a lot of horrible, evil things, but I really don't want to see that. I'm scared. Yeah. That's, that's the one thing about dog man that everyone agrees there's no nice forest giant when you're talking dog man across the board. It's evil. The the worst thing possible, you know, Yes. <laughs> stay away from it. Yes. I agree. Well, I've also uh, just recently uh, back last year, I, I guess I didn't think this was Bigfoot related, but I don't know if Lori's heard about these or not, but I know David Bacara down in uh, North Georgia knows a little bit about these things. They're called devil monkeys. And uh, yep. we've had uh, I had a devil monkey report sent to me from Loudoun County back huh. in the summer. And these things, for all intents and purposes, they're they're described as being very baboon like, but very large as well, uh, running on all fours. Uh, but this this young man contacted me and I talked to him for probably 30 minutes and and his entire family 
over the past 30, 40 years have had encounters with these things on a particular farm where he grew up. Mm. So, and again, uh, David Bacara down in uh, North Georgia at the Bigfoot Museum uh, had a report from someone in the North Georgia area and actually sent a, a sketch of what they saw. And that's what the young man said he saw the same thing. So, and those are very creepy looking as well. I don't want no part of those either. Yeah, go ahead. No, I just, just keep oh, that I stuff thought, away. <laughs> yeah. no, I, thought, I thought Wendy was going to say something. Yeah, I, I've um, actually, I've gotten dogman reports. I've had two or three dogman reports over the years. And, and of course I say, yeah, that's interesting. And I don't want no part of it. That creeps yeah. me out. I, I, I appreciate you telling me about it. I, of course, there's nothing I can do for you. I mean, I probably, I can't do anything for anybody anyway, yeah. as far as that goes. But uh, for sure, uh, Dogman, I, I was, you know, I think, I think probably what made it hit home for me was American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah. That movie uh, terrified me of werewolves. <laughs> so when I think Dogman, I think werewolf. And I do too. So I, I, always think I let that, I just got to let that go. I can't, I can't dwell on that particular subject. Now, yeah, one we, time, we did, I, go ahead. We did an episode on um, werewolves. It was like our second or third episode we we did on the podcast, and uh, that's what I I told Ty. I was like, "Have you seen American Werewolf in London? This scarred me for life." <laughs> <laughs> See, I haven't seen that movie. I'm going to have to watch it now. Yeah, yeah. Because I had an experience down in uh, Crossville, near Crossville, um, one night. Me and my husband went down there. We was at a friend's house, and um. We it was pouring the rain and he come out on the porch and uh, was angry at me for some reason. I couldn't figure out what it was. And he took off running out into the rain. It was dark outside. And so I was like running after him, you know, like, what what the frig is wrong with you? You know, I was asking him, kept following him out through there. And but he never would say anything. And he would walk out. He would run out like five feet or 10 feet in front of me and he'd just stand there with his back facing me and all I could see really was this silhouette and um, he just kept doing that until he just vanished he wasn't there anymore and I kept running down the road trying to find him and I come up on this spot where I felt like I was in danger like really really bad danger and I smelled this horrible smell it smelled like wet dog rotting meat uh just wild game and it and it scared me so bad and then whenever i started you know looking at the dog man i thought oh my god you know is that a spiritual being is that what that was what was that you know because whenever i came back uh whenever i found my way back to the house uh my cousin and a friend of mine was walking out and they were like where have you been i said i was out chasing randy i said we need to go out and get him it's getting cold outside and it's pouring the rain i was soaking wet walked back in the house and they said randy's in the house and i said what do you mean randy's in the house they said randy's in the house he has been in the house i don't know why you took off running but he's been in the house and i walked in there and he was he he was dry there was nothing he, he hadn't been outside at all wow. and that was the freakiest thing that and i will not go back down there I won't do it because wow. I don't know what that was. I was following out in the woods. What was it? I don't know. But it, it was yeah. like 
as tall as him, had his like body structure and stuff, but I could just see the silhouette and he wouldn't speak. He wouldn't say anything. It was hmm. the creepiest thing ever. That is very creepy. There's actually a um, a Bigfoot habituation site in Crossville. Oh, really? Oh, really? There is. I can't I, I can't divulge information, but it's something that we've been um, working on for about two and a half years. Huh. Wow. wow. So there there is at least a couple of Bigfoots that live on some property in Crossville. Well, hmm. this was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's like a big area. Um, it's um i can't remember the name of the road it's it goes from like crossville into lansing area it kind of goes straight through it and he lives off of that down there probably on like 15 or 20 acres and i just i don't know i just whenever i come up on his property i felt something you know i uh, kept feeling things in the woods you know i didn't really want to go in the woods he kind of they wanted to take me out in the woods and I kind of didn't want to go because I had the uneasy feeling in my gut and then but then we went back down there that night and then that happened and I'm like now nah, I'm going I'm not going back down there. I've heard some stories um there's this girl I used to know I went to college with and um her family's from Crossville and she she told me some stories about Black Mountain and how there's oh. a lot of weird weird stuff that happens and like satanic cults or something that yeah. frequent that area. And it's, it just sounds I like not Black a place I want to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really? Yes. I Is do. it creepy? Yes. Um, there's some big stones down there um, that you can walk down in. And I hear things down there. I hear like chanting. Um, I can feel native American spirits there where they've actually done rituals there. Um, I've seen things there, like over the overlook. There's areas there that's very, very intense. And there's an old house there that they, I've, I've heard rumors that it was like this lady's house that was considered a witch there and they burned her in it. Uh, this mm-hmm. guy that, um, he does a podcast, um, Exploration Unknown. I don't know if you know him, John. No, I don't. And uh, he went down there and done a um uh, episode on it and it was pretty inter- interesting because I'd already been down there and already felt all this stuff and um, I, t- I go down there and hike a lot we actually camp down there we've camped down there several times and uh, yeah it's there's a lot of very interesting things down there it's really spooky yeah yeah I'm, I'm just I from what I've heard I, I don't want any part of it that's beautiful. I'll stay. I'll stay away from Black Mountain. Yeah, it's beautiful though. <laughs> hey, um, I just want to ask Ty because he he's been kind of quiet over there. I know Ty. He's he's very skeptical on these things. Just what do you think, man? Of, after hearing all these stories, I think it's pretty crazy for me personally. I don't go out into the wilderness a lot, so I can't really um speak to anything uh i i guess when i was a kid we used to go into caves and 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 go out in the woods and hang out and you always kind of feel like something's watching you mm-hmm. all the time you get that eerie feeling um like like something else is out there with you but you just don't know what it is you keep looking behind you when you're walking or yeah. uh, you hear noises in the distance um i, I think it's really interesting uh i I would like to do one of those uh, expedition things and, and just see see how it goes and 
Um, I'm not exactly sure what what the uh, requirements are to go on one. It's as far as like equipment and backpacks and what do I need a tent? Do I need an RV? You've come as my guest. Okay. I'll, I'll put you up on a I'll put you up in a um, sleeping bag beside the fire. Thank you, Lori. I appreciate that. <laughs> I would yeah, like no, to go on that expedition. That would be cool, Lori. Come on. Yeah, it's it's, it, it's something that I, I think is, is really interesting, and um, it's it's something like I said before. I can't I can't say it doesn't exist. I can't say it does exist because I've never really experienced anything. Um, but you always uh, kind of like how Matt was saying before, you know, the, the hair standing up on the back of your neck and, you know, every time you're in the woods and I I was in the military for a while and we would do land nav and you get out in the woods. And, and like you said, I mean, the woods, the woods here are so dense that you, you could be 10 feet in front of somebody and they wouldn't even know it. So. Yeah. I'm just going to throw this out there because this will be awesome. I just had the idea of doing like a live or not even live, just a remote podcast during an expedition just like interviewing people around the fire that just sounds so awesome to yeah, me yeah that would be cool <laughs> as long as you didn't disclose the location oh and yeah you didn't, and you didn't do video because video requires a whole other permit from the forest service yeah yeah it would just be audio but i mean there's just it sounds like it would be so much fun you know yeah it would well, you bring <laughs> up a, me, a good point Lori. um I was thinking about that earlier in the in the conversation about I've I've read or heard somewhere that it's almost impossible. It's like pulling teeth to get a video permit in a national park. It is. Uh, Do you have any idea why that is? I mean, I can guess. I mean, I'm I'm full of conspiracy theories. I'm a conspiracy theorist, I suppose. I know why, because they don't want you to get good pictures of Bigfoot. Uh, or any of these other things that might be out there. But right. I mean, what is what is the legal reason? I, you know, I don't know. But every time I, I mean, they're specific when I get my permits. You're not going to be filming anything, are you? If you're going to be filming anything, we have to send you another permit. And yeah. one time I did have um, these people that were going to come and film to do some little documentary. And I never did get approved on that. Wow. And they actually came, but they really just did you know, interviews and stuff because I couldn't do anything that showed where we were at or anything of that national forest. And that was actually in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. You're not allowed to fly, fly drones either. I mean, no, just, you were not. No, nope. nope. I tried to act like I didn't know about it. And they're like, Lori, we know you. I forgot. <laughs> I had um in North Georgia, I had a ranger come up one time we were at a camp and he came up and he asked, he said, uh, I need to see your permit. And I handed him the signature page and he said, no, I need to see your whole permit. He read my permit, all 10 pages of it. And then he couldn't find anything wrong. Cause I, you know, I'd done everything I was supposed to do. And he said, there's nothing in this permit that says you can have 10 cars parked along this roadway. And I'm like, what? And he said, you need, I'm, I'm going to give you a warning this time, but you need to, uh, you need to make sure you have that. And I was just looking at him like, you're serious. And he was serious. He was trying to find something wrong as to why I was there and why. And he even said to me, he said, how come you're here? And I'm, uh, there was something else going on not far from us. And he said, how come you're here? And I know nothing about it. And I said, 
that should be something you take up with your supervisor, not me. <laughs> I've got my permit. Yeah. I said, here's my permit. It's signed by your supervisor. If he didn't tell you what we were doing out here, that's that's not my problem. And I think I kind of pissed him off or something. <laughs> but, you know, it wasn't my problem. I did the things that I was supposed to do. And, you know, the Forest Service and the insurance cost me about twelve to $1,400 every time I run an expedition. And that's something that I pay. Um, so, you know, they're getting their money from me. Hmm. So... They're, but they're fine with audio, right? I mean, audio, I wonder, yeah. what about at base camp? Could you do video at base camp or is it just on the trails you're not allowed to do video? Uh, well, it's supposed to be anywhere in the National Forest. Really? Huh. That's, that's that's what the permit says. But now that it may be a little different because of what I'm doing. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, talk to me. You know, maybe we work something out. Yeah. I'm, I'm just I mean, wondering because you know, we, we video with our cell phones. So yeah, the yeah. They, don't want, they don't want it out there for public consumption to be said where it's at. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Cause I, you know, when I go with my family, you go hiking and stuff, I have a GoPro I take. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I turn it on when we're walking the trails. So, you know, it's, it seems like. Well, think about all everyone the people does. on YouTube. <laughs> All yeah. the people on YouTube that do it. I mean, how do how do they get away with it? And Scott Carpenter, speaking of, you know, back to him. I mean, he does all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do all the time. Every time I go out hiking, I've got my GoPro, I've got my phone, I've got everything, you know. I'm getting it all the whole time. So maybe I'm just breaking the law. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, you're not charging you're not charging money. Oh gosh. Oh, that, that's yeah. where it comes in. You're that's, charging okay. money. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's got a big thing to do with it, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. Well, all right, guys. Uh I think we're gonna wrap it up. We're almost two hours in, but this has been an awesome conversation and we would love to have you guys back again sometime because honestly this is very informative and just a really fun conversation. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to Reaper Apparel for help support us all the time. Ever since the beginning, Reaper Apparel has been there for us. Um, if you want, you can go to reaperapparel.com, check them out, and put in code AFK Discussions, and you'll get 15% off your order. Um, they do some cool t-shirts and hats. Um, so the whole thing behind Reaper Apparel is live your life to the fullest. Live your life like it's your last. Just don't fear the Reaper. So, um, yeah, guys, I just want to thank you guys for coming on here. Uh, Wendy, Matt, and Lori, it's been awesome. Yeah, thanks thank for having so us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, having. guys, for coming. We really appreciate it. So, guys, um, until next time, this is AFK Discussions, and we're out. Peace. Peace. See Shadows were the dead